If you would, take your Bibles to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, let me encourage you, uh, if you have children, to get them signed up for Vacation Bible School. We're excited about uh, what the Lord has for us this year and that is coming around the corner. And then if you're planning on being a part of the golf tournament, let me encourage you to get your team signed up and um, let Mr. Tucker know that you'll be playing. We're excited about that. A lot going on. And uh, of course, next Sunday is our church picnic uh, for the 4th of July weekend, and we're looking forward uh, to that as, as well. As we come to John chapter 16, we're really coming to the, the final, um, inf- final instructions Jesus is giving as he spends these last hours with his disciples. Um, generally, chapter 17 is the end of what is known as this upper room discourse, but really the end of chapter 16 is his last instructions, as we'll see next week, that Jesus moves into his, uh, what really is the Lord's Prayer. We call the Lord's Prayer that prayer that is really his model prayer. But here in John chapter 17, we're going to see truly uh, the Lord's Prayer for himself, for his disciples, and for all believers. And we'll look at that next week. But here in John chapter 16, Jesus is explaining to them that he will be leaving and the Comforter will come. And one of the truths that they learn is there's going to be great persecution that is coming their way, and really many of them would be martyred for for their faith. Now, it would be expected then to read, as Jesus gives them this instruction about their martyrdom, about the persecution that's going to come, it would be expected as you read the book of Acts, as you read about the life of these disciples, that we would find out that they would have left Jesus at the cross and that they would have gone and and hid themselves and found themselves somewhere, a little piece of land out in the country, and, and really just went on and lived their life so that they would not have to endure this persecution. We would even in our own mind justify uh, that what that it makes sense for them to go and, and hide themselves and maybe even live according to the culture so that they would not bring this persecution into their life that Jesus was telling them about. But that's not what happens. They truly embrace their, their mission. They embrace their, the command that Christ gives them. And the Bible goes on to tell us that not only did they embrace it, but they would go on to do such wonderful things for the Lord in the midst of persecution that they turned the world upside down. They were faithful despite the persecution that was going to, to come. And while they're serving Jesus... While they're serving the Lord and being persecuted, we see that they, that they live in this joy that Jesus has been, has been talking about. We know we struggle with this idea of what biblical joy true is. We're so worried about living um, and, and, and peace and contentment and, and what we view joy as and really this idea of happiness that we don't truly get it. But they finally got it. To the point where they understood and they would go on and serve Jesus and they would have the testimony that we see in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, they're preaching and the Bible tells us that Peter and John are are preaching the gospel and and what Jesus had told them comes true. They're kicked out of the synagogue and they're taken and they're beaten and then they're commanded to, to stop preaching the name of Jesus. But I want you to listen. Listen to their testimony in Acts chapter 5 and verses 40 through 42. The Bible says, when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They departed from the presence of the council. Now listen very carefully. 
They departed from the presence of the council that just had beaten them, beaten them and commanded them not to preach in the name of Jesus. They departed rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. But it goes on to say they daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Listen, it doesn't make sense from, from a human perspective that they would go and, and be beaten and persecuted, but yet they would continue to preach the gospel and stay faithful to the name of, to the name of Christ. But the biblical truth is that joy does not come from our circumstances. It doesn't come from whether you like me or not or how many friends I have on Facebook or whatever social media I'm on. It, it, it doesn't come from, from material things in this world. It doesn't come from, from the acceptability of people or the job that I have or the career or, or the material things that I have. The joy that Jesus is talking about that God wants us to have comes only from our relationship with Jesus Christ. In our abundance, in our society today, we struggle to find joy. You know, many of us are, are happy when, when we get our way, when people treat us the way that we expect to be treated, where we're happy and we have good days and, and everything goes okay. But yet we find ourselves dealing with depression and struggling when, when things don't go our way. And so we're, our lives are kind of on this emotional roller coaster because we're so focused on happiness instead of the joy that God wants us to have. But if you get nothing else from this message, please listen to this. True joy comes from serving Jesus. True joy comes from nothing that this world has to offer. We can add anything that we want to the list, whether it's people or things or lifestyle or anything you want in this, in this, in this world. It's not going to bring true joy. Pretty much everything in this life is going to break your heart and bring sorrow in your life. But true joy comes from serving Jesus. I love the song. There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus. Joy that throbs within my heart every moment, every hour, as I draw upon his power. There is joy, 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 and here's the, the great truth, that never shall depart. That's what Jesus is trying to get across here in this passage. Hey guys, listen, it's going to be hard. And there's going to be some trials. There's going to be some difficulties. Hey, guess what? There's going to be some people that, that hate you. Not, not because they hate you, but because they hate me and you're standing for me and you're preaching my gospel. But guys, listen, in the midst of the, the tribulation and the trials and the persecution, I want you to understand that there's joy that you can have in your heart and life through me. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray this morning that we would understand the joy that comes truly from serving you and you alone, living for Christ, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, a joy that this world cannot take. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If I were to ask you this morning, uh, you know, what are you looking for in life? What, what, what do you want to get out of, out of life? And, and, and many of you would have different area, you know, answers depending on the stage of life that you are. And, and you know, some of you, it's, you know, I want to have a good life, a good career, those type of things. Some of you would be a little more spiritual. I understand that. And you would say, you know, spiritual things, you know, I want to serve God and see people saved and, and all those type of things. But really on all of our list, on all of our list, this idea of pe a peaceful life, 
you know, that's why, you know, when they win, you know, the Miss America or Miss Universe pageant, what do they, what do they always say they're looking for and hoping for? World peace. That's what everybody wants. We want, we want world peace. We want to do nothing to get world peace, but we want world peace. But we want peace, we want contentment, and we want joy. But the issue is, is we want those in our own way, from our own understanding. And listen, our way, our understanding is so flawed. And it's contrary to the things of God and God's word because we put our peace, contentment, joy in the things of this world. And Jesus has been spending these hours with his disciples getting them to understand, listen, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to to deny me. And all of you that want to live for me and live godly and serve me with your life and that are going to preach my message, you're all going to be persecuted. And as you go through the New Testament and you look at the lives of these individuals, almost all of them were martyred for their faith. You go through the book of Hebrews and you get to that, 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 that chapter of faith and, and you go and you see all the stuff that they went through. And, and it even says there's so many that were sawn asunder and burned at the stake and given their life. And in the midst of all of those things happening, these people were filled with the joy that comes from the Lord. And so today I want us to see this joy that Jesus is talking about. So number one, we see that joy, this joy comes from sorrow. This joy that he's talking about is going to come from sorrow. And I know that's, a, that's kind of a, a weird thought, right? The joy is going to come from sorrow. But I hope you'll see and understand what I'm talking about and what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. Look back with me. Verse 16. There's a phrase that is very important to this passage. The phrase, a little while. And it'll appear seven times in four verses, he says, a little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to the Father. Then said some of the disciples among themselves, what is this that he saith unto us? A little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while and you shall see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while. We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said, a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. And so Jesus is telling his disciples here, a little while, and you, you're going to have me here for a little while. And then there's going to be a little while, I'm, go, I'm going to be gone, and, and, and you're going to be sorrowful, and you're going to struggle and have trials and persecutions. And a little while, you're going to see me again. And so a little while, I'll be here. A little while, I'll be gone. A little while, you're going to have sorrow. And in a little while, that sorrow will be turned into joy. And we see very clearly the disciples are struggling with this, as many of us may be. They don't understand what he's talking about. And so in verse 20, Jesus explains. He explains to them, you will weep and you will lament. You will have trouble and you will be heartbroken. And the sad truth is, he tells them, not only will you be heartbroken and you will have sorrow, but the world around you is going to rejoice. They're going to rejoice and have joy because of your sorrow that's in your life and because of the thing that's causing you sorrow. And so the question is, what is Jesus talking about? There's really two main views uh, when it comes to this passage. Some believe that Jesus is talking about his death. In a little while, I'm going to die. I'm going to be placed in a grave. But in a little while, I'm going to rise again. Others believe that he's talking about a second coming. In a little, I'm going to have to leave. 
and then it's just going to be a little while. A little while I'm going to return again and as I go to, as I go to the Father. Which one's right? I, I think both of them. Both of them probably are right in the context of what he's trying to talk to them and get them to understand. As you go through the Bible, it talks about our life as being uh, just a little while. Our life is just a vapor. It's here today and, and it's gone in, in just a moment. It's funny. We often think of a, a lifetime as a, as a big deal, as a long time. You know, it feels like, we'll say like I've been here forever. It feels like a, what, a lifetime, right? But then other times we say, man, our life Man, it just seems like just yesterday I, I was, you know, a kid playing in the mud and the dirt. Just yesterday I was in high school and just yesterday I was having my own kids. Just yesterday, you know, they were in kindergarten. Just yesterday, for some of you that have um, graduates this year, just yesterday they were, you know, starting school and it just seems like just yesterday because, it, listen, it's just a little while, just a little while that we're, that we're here, that we're going through this persecution and this difficulty. And then as we go on, in verse 21, Jesus gives this illustration of, what he's, of this sorrow that he's talking about. He says, just a little while you're going to have this sorrow, but it will be turned to joy. And in verse 21, he gives them this, this illustration. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. For joy that a man is born into the world. So Jesus compares the, the sorrow that we go through in this life and how it's turned from sorrow into joy with the illustration of, of childbirth. You know, I remember, I, I, I remember the struggles I went through in those nine months of pregnancy. I mean, I remember how hard it was on me. I mean, how difficult it was when my wife, I, I remember the, the, the pain and the struggle I went through and, the, you know, those hours of labor there, and um, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I remember, you know, the, you know just what Summer went through, and, and many of you remember what you went through, what your spouse went through, and I remember, you know, when, when that child, you know, was coming into life and, and being born, the, the pain and the agony that, that a mother goes through. And, you know, when that child was born and our kids were born and, and they handed, a, you know, to, to Summer, I, I remember, I, I couldn't believe it. She's like, it wasn't worth it. Look at this thing. I mean, slimy and, and ugly. I mean, I just, I can't imagine. You know, no mother in her right mind ever said that, did they? I mean, you go through the screaming and, and, and you know, anger and pain and the frustration and the sorrow. And then all of a sudden that baby is placed on your chest and in your arms. And it wasn't that the joy replaced the sorrow. Or excuse me, it wasn't that, yeah, the joy replaced that sorrow, but that sorrow is what turned into joy. The very thing that brought the pain and the agony and the anguish in those moments, all of a sudden, in just a little while, and some of you were blessed and it was just a couple hours and some of you it was 24, 36 and however long it was. But just, just a little while that baby came into life. Because of sin, we realize joy doesn't come without sorrow. You know, the sorrow in, in, in childbirth came because of the sinfulness of man and, and that was placed upon woman by God there when Adam and Eve sinned and, and yet that sorrow brings such great joy. And Jesus wants us to understand that this sorrow and this life that we're struggling, it is this sorrow 
that is not going to just replace, be replaced with joy. But it's this sorrow. As, as the sorrow of the baby turns into joy, it is this sorrow that we face in this life that will be turned into joy. David tells us in the Psalms that weeping might come tonight, but joy comes in the morning. Do you realize for the believer in Jesus Christ, this world is as bad as it gets? Listen, for me, no matter, no matter what trials or difficulties, no matter what problems I face in this world, because I am in Jesus Christ, this is as bad as it gets. But if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the sad truth is this terrible world is as good as it gets. And if you leave and enter into eternity without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll suffer torment in hell, separated from God for all eternity. And listen, you might think, I'm living it up. I have a great life. I love this place. But listen, when you leave this place without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are going to regret. You are going to regret denying him and not receiving this free gift of salvation that he's offering to you. Because listen, this world's as good as it gets. And you think, listen, I'll go and hang out with my buddies in hell. Listen, you don't understand. Hell is a place of utter darkness separation, pain, and agony. We don't know what sorrow is. If we leave this world, we'll be, we'll be aching for the sorrow that this world offers. But Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, guys, listen, listen, this sorrow that you face is going to turn to joy. When your faith becomes sight, the joy that you will have in your life, and so his main point is this sorrow is not replaced, but, but this sorrow is going to turn into, turn into joy. Paul tells us this, that when we go through, what we go through here in this life is, is just a light affliction. And in Romans 8, 18, he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Listen, the suffering that we go through, they can't even compare to, to the joy that we'll have when we see Jesus face to face. Listen, just as the, the sufferings that you go through in childbirth as a lady, when you bring that child into this world, it can't be compared to the joy that that baby brings to you in those moments in your life. Joy comes from sorrow. Hey, listen, it's not just, it's not just taking the, the bad things and then away and replacing them with good things. Because that's what we do in our life. But, it, but it's the struggles and the trials and the difficulties. Listen, it's worth it. It's worth it to have the joy that is found in Jesus. The second thing we, I want you to see in this passage is that this joy, this joy cannot be taken or stolen from us. You know, a, a, lot, of our, our, um, a lot of our attitudes and our mindsets in this life are, are directed by other people and by the circumstances of this life. And Jesus says, the joy that I'm talking about, it, it cannot be stolen. It cannot be taken from you. Look with me, verse 22. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. No one and nothing can take away your joy. Can I tell you? If you don't have joy in your life today, it's your fault. 
It's not this, the fault of your spouse or your children or your job or your coworkers or, or society, the government. Listen, if you don't have the joy that we're talking about here today, it's no, it's no fault of anybody else but yourself. Don't blame others. Don't blame your circumstances. You don't have joy because your joy is found in the things of this world. And this world will never bring true and lasting joy. Jesus is saying the joy that I want you to have and, and that I'm talking about, nobody can take it from you. For the believer, your joy must be in Jesus. One of the great tragedies of our history is in the history of this world is the Holocaust and what happened there in, in Germany. And, and several of our men went to Poland to do a, a mission trip there and help build a, a building and do some work there. And they had the opportunity to go see concentration camps and, and be in that place. And one of the, the famous people that came out of that time is, is a Christian named Carrie Ten Boom, and, or Cory Ten Boom, excuse me. And, and, and here's some of the things that she said in her life after this time. She said, Jesus did not promise to change the circumstances around us. He promised great peace and pure joy to those who would learn to believe that God actually controls all things. She also said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. And then she said, joy runs deeper than despair. Joy runs deeper than despair. I don't know what you're going through. But the joy that God is offering runs deeper than any problem, any trial, any persecution that you have in your life. And nobody can take this joy from you. But we have to get our mind off of the circumstances and the things of this life and what people are doing to us and against us and, and find our joy in Jesus Christ. Find our joy in Jesus Christ. You know, I can be having the worst week. You know, this week was, was not the greatest week. It wasn't a terrible week. It wasn't the worst week I've ever had, but it wasn't the greatest week. Uh, you know, and sometimes my heart's heavy, and when I come to church, and, uh, you know, just like you are, and some of you have heavy hearts today, and, and a lot of trials, things going on maybe we don't, I don't even know about. But, man, when I walk into church, one of my favorite things every Sunday morning is when the choir sings and then David comes up and says, let's stand together and sing. And for the first song, I sit down here and I don't sing. And I just listen to the room fill with the voices of God's people singing praises and worshiping Him. And listen, every, everything that's heavy in my life, um, every week, everything that's heavy in my life kind of seems to be lifted. Because my, my joy isn't coming from the things of this world. Yeah, the world brings pressure and persecution and trials and difficulties. But in that moment, each Sunday when we gather together to sing, listen, that's why church is so important to me. It's not because I like listening to the preacher. I'll be honest with you, all right? <laughs> I love to worship with God's people and fellowship and interact and, and just the joy that's in this place. But then to hear you sing, I mean, it just, it just does something to my heart and life. I'm ready to fight another week. I'm ready to go on and serve God and share the gospel even more for just the joy that comes from worshiping God. And you know what? Nobody can take that from me. Nothing can take that from me. I'm so grateful for this joy. Number three, we see in verse um, 23 through 28, this joy comes partly through communication. Partly through communication. Look with me at verse 23. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it. Now, these guys have had the opportunity to to be with Jesus and spend time with him and, and talk with him and ask him questions. And he's telling them, listen, I'm going to be gone. And that time, you're not going to have this one-on-one time. But what he says is, because of me, you now have access to the Father. And he says, whatever you ask the Father, whatever you ask the Father there, in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say, say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. You know, through Jesus Christ, you have access to God. You know, a, a lot of people in our world pray. They, they don't believe in Jesus. They have no relationship with God, but, but they pray. And, and they have no access to God. And I know that's very difficult for us to, to understand. Uh, uh, you know, uh, every, God hears everybody's prayers. But, but the truth is, is that for a believer in Jesus Christ, we have access through Christ. We can come boldly unto the throne of grace. And that's why he says, listen, go to the Father in my name. And so that's why we pray in the name of Jesus, because that's who gives us access to God. And and, and listen, as a believer in Jesus Christ, he says, you can come to my Father and you can ask what you will and he will answer your prayers that your joy may be full. You know, one of the great, things about being a Christian is our access to God. And you know, one of the sad truths is, is this idea of prayer and communicating with God is so neglected. How much did you pray this week? Think about that. How much time? I'm not saying did you pray for your meal, you know, before your meal, and, um, or, or how much time did you spend in communication with God? You know, every day I, when I come to, to church, I, I generally park over here on this side and and every day I get out of my car and, I, and as I'm walking into the building, unless somebody's there and I talk to them, generally I pray. I pray that God would use this church and this facilities and this property for the furtherance of the God. I pray that almost every day. I try to remember to pray when I pull onto the property for God to use our church. For the, you know, when I'm driving in my car, I can pray and communicate with God. When I, you know, but we got to have all this noise in our life. We got to have, have noise. You know, uh, my father-in-law... He, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great man, and I love him uh, to death. But that guy can ride in a car for 12 hours and not say a word. Like, you could be sitting in there with him, and it doesn't bother him one bit. Like, I will bang my head against the window if that was quiet that long. Like, I, I mean, you all know me. I can't handle it, all right? Like, I'm 12 seconds in. I'm, like, full-on conversation here. And like, but he could just sit there and just, just, go, just go quietly. But a lot of, you know, we just got to have noise when we're driving down the road. And, and, and so we're so filled with all of this information and all of this noise. And our natural reaction is to turn something on. Listen, our natural reaction should be to communicate with God. So because we're so consumed with noise and information and, 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 and entertainment, it's difficult for us to pray. But Jesus is telling us, listen, guys, I'm leaving you're going to have persecution. But you know, one of the great blessings about living in the day and age which we live in, you have direct access to God. You have direct access to my Father. And you can pray. And you know, sometimes, you know, 
you know, just sitting down with my wife and talking, man, that, that, that just brings comfort to me. At the end of the day, just sitting down and having that conversation, you know, going and visiting my parents and just sitting down and, and having that conversation. It's just, it's just, it does something to me in my life. You know, just visiting with people in our church and just having a conversation and, and being with people, that's, that's my personality. But none of that compares to just being able to go to the pre- presence of God and just the joy and peace and contentment, knowing that I have access, I have access to him. Some of you, you're so miserable in life because you don't pray. You don't communicate with God. You don't read the Bible. You don't pray to God. It's just like these spiritual disciplines are not a part of your life, and you find yourself struggling and battling in this life, and and Jesus is saying, listen, I've given you this opportunity. And so he commands us in Scripture, pray without ceasing. And really the key to living in this world of the Spirit is communication with the Father. Hey, guys, you've had me here but I'm leaving, but I'm giving you access to the Father. And so make sure you pray, and this prayer will bring comfort and peace. This prayer, this communication with God will bring joy truly in your life. And then number four as we finish up, you can truly have this joy during tribulation. You can have this joy during tribulation. In verse 29, his disciples said unto him, Lo, now speaketh thou plainly, and speaketh no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Now, when I read that, I don't want to skip over this, all right? When, when I read that, I think, how foolish can you, these guys got, must be really big idiots, I mean, they see Jesus turn water into wine, and they still struggle. They see Jesus walk on water, and they still struggle. They see Jesus do all, raise people from the dead, heal the sick. They see Jesus do all of these miracles and all of these great things, and they still struggle. And they say, okay, finally, finally, now, we understand who you are. We understand why you came, and that you came forth from the Father. I want you to see that joy in the midst of tribulation comes by faith. The, the disciples, they seem to get it here, and they tell Jesus, we now know and we believe. You know, that's why we were given the gospel of John. He said, listen, I'm giving you these miracles, and I'm showing that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God and that you might believe. And so it finally clicked with these guys. Listen, joy comes by faith. They say this to him, we know and we believe. And so verse 31, Jesus Jesus answered them, do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come that ye shall be scattered every man to his own and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Jesus says to this, this belief, as you, you listen, you're going to need this belief. You're going to need your faith because you're going to be scattered. You're going to be persecuted. And this belief will bring you joy. And he says in verse 33, these things I have spoken unto you. So all of these things I've been teaching you about joy and persecution, he says, these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. Listen, in the world you'll have tribulation, but here's the key. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. See, Jesus said overcome the world. He, he overcame sin. He overcame death. He overcame the grave. And you know, your life will seem like it's in turmoil. And you're going to have tribulation in this world, but you can have peace. Your, your joy and peace, though, cannot come 
from this world. Listen, if you live for any length of time, you know nothing is for certain. Everything's going to change. Life is going to be difficult and life is going to be hard. And, and listen, I know as a parent, we do everything we can to, to protect our children from the, the trials and the difficulties and the persecutions. But I promise you, listen, despite our best efforts, if they live for Christ and they live godly lives, those things are going to come in their life. And their joy can't be found in you. I'm sorry, moms. I know that's difficult for you. Their joy cannot be found in their grandparents. Okay? So I'm sorry about that. Their joy cannot be found in people or the things of this world. It must be found in Christ alone. Now, there's a song that we sing entitled In Christ Alone. I want you to listen to the words because oftentimes we sing that song like we do a lot of our songs and we kind of go through the motions and we kind of miss the, the meaning and the doctrine and the teaching that's there in that song. The song goes, In Christ Alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. It's not the things of this world. It's He alone. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. There's no life apart from Jesus Christ. You must be saved through faith in Christ alone. He goes on to say, there in, there in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. And you know, we, even believers, kind of get that. He died on the cross because of my sin. He was placed in the grave and he rose again and I have victory in Jesus Christ. But listen to the last verse. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Nothing in this world can separate us from the love of God. Nothing in this world can steal the joy that we have only in Jesus Christ. Listen, I have no guilt in life, no fear in death because of the power of Christ in my life. And because of this power, I can have joy through the hardest persecutions and trials in life. My friend, if you're here today and you're trusting in this world for joy, you're trusting in the circumstances of life, you're going to be sadly hurt and disappointed. But true joy comes from Jesus and so when you're persecuted for your faith, when you're standing for the cause of the gospel, and maybe even martyred, you will still have the joy that comes from serving Jesus.